Thank you so much for checking out episode 26 of Scotch in Good Conversation. I am your host, Peter. We are a weekly interview hangout, excuse to uh, drink with our friends or people we find interesting podcast type thing. Uh, we get together with people and uh, try to pick their brains and uh, uh, see what makes them tick. And it's usually while drinking, not all the time, but if I have my way, it is. Uh, if this is your first time listening, I, I, I want to thank you. And you can go and listen to all our past podcasts at scotchandgoodconversation.com. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. If you'd like to get involved, uh, you want to give us a, a phone call. If you want to leave a comment, you know somebody who would, you think should be on the podcast, give us a call. Phone number is 407-965-5557. That's 407-965-5557. You can also email us if uh, talking on the phone is not your thing at scotchandgoodconversation at gmail.com. Of course, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, follow us. That would make us happy, and you'll know what's going on and who our guests are going to be, and you can see pictures of my dog and what records I'm listening to. Uh, anyway, uh, today's guest has uh, been in the works for a little while. I've, I've been uh, kind of looking forward to getting you in here. Uh, Mr. Andrew L. Asher. Hello. Good evening. What's the L stand for? Lee. Lee. Okay. I, I, was, I was trying to guess. Lee works. I was thinking maybe Larry or Lawrence <laughs> or something, but Lee is good. And... Uh, You've listened before? You, you Absolutely. You, I've, you know, I've, uh, I want to say I'm close to religious following. Oh, but, wow. Thank you. Uh, yes. I've not gotten through all of them just yet, but uh, I've, uh, I've listened to some really good ones. They're getting better, I think, just kind of getting the hang of it. The, the beginning ones are a little, little... I thought about coming in and just rocking your world and saying that I'm your mystery listener from Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> My one mystery. I, uh, I, I got some listeners from... Uh, I know there's some China... Uh, Bosnia, I've got some listeners. Iran checked in recently. That's really? pretty exciting. <laughs> um, some some places in Africa. So and uh, uh, and, uh, I'm trying to think of the last place. I've got a couple of places that listen religiously, like some other countries. So if you're listening in other countries besides the United States, thank you if you're listening to the United States. I was going to say you told you said you had the lady from uh, New Zealand. New Zealand, that was on, it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, I, uh, she wrote me a fan letter. Annalisa, she's my friend. That is so cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna interview her at some point. I'm gonna figure it out. I, I got to get the uh, the Skype thing down, uh, but I, I still kind of haven't run through all the people in Orlando that I want to get to know. So, or I just need to go to, to New Zealand. That, that's that's, right. that, that's that's the other thing, because I can't afford to fly her in. Um, I would, you know. Uh, we're gonna jump right into it. Uh, these are three things that I think I know about you. All right. And of course, Shoot. they may be wrong. Roll. Uh, you're a local dude. You were born in town. Sort of. Okay. Uh, I was. I was actually. You know, I was born in Boca Raton. Of oh, mouth of the rat. Yes. Yes. Uh, but only lived there till maybe one and a half or two years old. Okay. Then we moved up here. I. Uh, I worked in a jewelry store, in Boca Raton, in the Boca Raton Mall near the garbage dump. You uh, know, in the eighties. I have. I have absolutely no recollection. My it's wife is from Palm Beach County. She yeah, could yeah. probably tell you all about it. Yeah. But I have uh, virtually no recollection at all. It's. Uh, so basically, all of my memories are are right here. Local, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you went to Trinity Prep, right? I saw yes, that. I did. Yeah, yes. that good band. Oh, I had a wonderful time. It looks like a beautiful place. Was it? Is it? I mean, do you go back? Do your children go there? Not that it's in my business, but you, do you go back? Yeah. Have you been on campus? I've, Has it changed? I've been back a lot. Yeah. Um, I was on the board there for oh, goodness. six years. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm involved in the alumni there. It the looks like a little college. A like it's it's a beautiful. Place. You know, it's changed a lot. You know, gosh, when you think about when they 
first built that school, I think it was 1968. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they said Tuscawilla Road, which is right nearby, didn't have any stoplights. Um, and it was, there was absolutely nothing out there. So now, you know, the school is just absolutely amazing right now how much they put into it. But, you know, the, the school itself has figured in a lot with, uh, and I guess we, we'll get to that a little bit, uh, sort of how we've cultivated our personality at the distillery. Uh, because Bear Gully Lake is right nearby there. Uh-huh. Uh, back in the day, you know, Bear Gully Lake was just this empty place. There weren't any houses or anything. It was just dirt roads around it except for this castle. <laughs> and this castle was built by Glenn Turner, which um, would be, you know, basically become the first in a lot of fabled hucksters uh, that rolled through Orlando. Love it. You know, yeah. we, we seem to have at least one or two every decade. Sure. You know, like, <laughs> And uh, his he built this magnificent castle by Barragulli Lake. I want to say in the seventies, and then it burned to the ground. Okay, I was, I was like, I, I I'm pretending like I know where this is, and I was like, I don't know about a castle. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. And so uh, the kids, uh, the kids from Trinity and Winter Park High would always go out and party down by Glen Turner's castle on the lake out there. And now it's a little bit tough because they've built houses and there's families living around. Yeah, it's fan- it's fancy down there. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it looks like a beautiful. Like I said, it looks like a college to me. You know, and uh, I, I've often wondered what the insides look like, but they probably wouldn't let me on campus. I think it might be bad at this point for me oh, to no, start they'll, walking. They'll give you a tour. Okay. Do <laughs> me and my dog walking around? Yeah, just, <laughs> just ring the front bell. Uh, number two thing I know about you, you are the uh, vice chairman of the board of directors of the Central Florida Zoo. Mm, oh, I, I am no longer the vice chairman, but I am on the board. Okay, that's impressive. Where is the Central Florida Zoo? <laughs> Central Florida Zoo. <laughs> In botanical gardens, okay. uh, they are right in the middle of. Well, no, they're off to the side of Sanford. Okay. So, it, but it's in Sanford. Is it an actual zoo? Like it's an monkeys actual zoo. and oh, zebras yeah. and elephants and stuff. Oh, and giraffes. How come I've never been there? That's crazy. You should definitely go. Yeah. You should definitely go. Uh, it's right on the shores of Lake Monroe. Okay. So the easiest way really to get there is either 1792. You take I four all the way up. You know, when you get by the power plant. And yeah. that's your bridge on your way to New Smyrna, uh, just before you. I have passed by that. They, right. Yeah. I, I and I always go. We should go there, but we always forget about it. So go. it is. It's actually. Um, it is one of the most fun things to do in Central Florida. That's and, and, that's gonna be a, a week, next weekend. I bet you we do that. And the I gotta say the people that run it out there are just top rate. How uh, do you get on the, the board of directors of the zoo? That seems. You ask. No, uh, I have a really good friend of mine uh-huh. was involved on the board out there, and uh, he asked me to come on out because I thought I was cool. I guess that's cool. That, that's that's and, I saw that. And I was like, wow, that, that's you know. But anytime you get involved with um, a nonprofit organization, I mean, it comes with a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it's 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 not all fun, and yeah. uh, you know, it's this is um, you know the zoo is years ago was just a place they called Monkey Island. Of course. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a great, you know, Florida story because uh, it used to be that um, it was it was an island right across from the municipal jail. Of course. Uh, in yeah. Sanford. Uh-huh. And they called it Monkey Island and they actually, they had a chimpanzee that could smoke cigarettes. I, I would expect <laughs> nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> and um, over the years it kind of grew and it grew and actually uh, truth be known, that was Jack Hanna's first zoological posting. There you go. Was in Sanford. Yeah. And he ran uh, the first Sanford Zoo. 
and eventually they morphed it into the Central Florida Zoo, trying to make it more of a community asset for not just Sanford but the rest of the area. And uh, it's it's moved a little bit. It's no longer on Monkey Island. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's they should just off do to the sides. call it Monkey Island anyway because that just sounds awesome in a frightening kind of po- the post-apocalyptic sort of yeah. or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> I I I'm gonna tell Dee Dee we're doing this next. Well, maybe not next weekend. A weekend after next because we said we we're gonna stay home next weekend you know they have uh, a fantastic event uh coming up um, called brews at the zoo and because uh, you know one of the one of the patrons of the zoo that's just given so much over the years is wayne dench uh distributors and so wayne dench uh really helps put together this awesome event where they have bands and all sorts of uh brews that they distribute that they'll bring into the zoo and just make it an entire evening of just Hanging out at the zoo with the animals and bands. So it's basically and, yeah. take Uber to the zoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah. That's Uber which, plus, yeah. Which, you know, a $45, $50 Uber trip back. It'd and probably back. help with the parking situation. Might, might be too, worth so. it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I, I will put a, 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 a website on, on the show notes for this because just to remind myself. Uh, number three thing, and this is besides the fact that you seem like a really cool guy, oh. uh, you make liquor for a living. Yes. Yeah, that's... Yes, it's the coolest thing. Yes. <laughs> all, all the people I've had in lately, like, are, they're, and legitimately good. too. I'm not looking over my shoulder or anything for revenue. You're not in the woods. So. <laughs> how does how does that happen? It's it's you've got a cool job. Wow, how does that? I mean, it was. I mean, how do how do you get this far with this? Um, because you're right. I mean, it's it's kind of a bizarre path. Uh, you know, my previous career was, you know, of all things, I was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a, a practice here that largely made me commute to D.C. and New York a lot. I didn't practice a lot in this area here. But I had, um, you know, a friend of mine that's a local as well. and uh, He's um, a fantastic serial entrepreneur. He's had a lot of successful businesses in the past that he's um, cultivated and sold. And he's kind of looking for his next gig and was hanging out west and uh, came back and said, you know, there are all these cool distilleries out in Sacramento and Portland and Seattle and, and Colorado. And the more we looked at them, we were like, God, this is just absolutely awesome. I mean, these guys... <laughs> we can make liquor yeah. for the <laughs> Let me preface it by saying it. He and I both really like to drink a lot. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, um, he and I just kind of looked at it and we're like, why, why aren't there any here? And I think... This is kind of where being a lawyer came in handy. <laughs> I think I and said that when you told me. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I bet you that that helped a lot. <sighs> God, you know, I was like, I, I turned around. It's my uh, business partner is Paul Twyford, and I said, "Look, I, I'm beginning to believe. I think there's some licensing involved with operating Probably. a distillery. Yeah, I think there's one or two hoops <laughs> you have to jump through." And I went back and looked at the rules and the licensing, and I was like, why don't we just do something easier, like apply to enrich uranium or something? <laughs> and this is just there's so much red tape. And uh, and that's part of it. You know, the, the federal rules, you know, people that want to start brewing can do it in their garage and not have to worry or anything. Uh, and the same thing, you know, if you wanted to you know, make wine, you could do it anywhere you want. And... In, in, in minor quantities and you can even in some states sell small amounts to your friends and family and blah 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 not distilled spirits yeah I can't you make can't make a drop oh, of distilled spirits yeah. without having uh, a federal permit and then you have to have a state 
when they call it distilled spirits plant permit on top of it and those are pretty rigorous that's a high barrier entry to entry right there yeah I mean, you can spend a lot of money on legal and things like that trying to just get into business being a distiller on top of it though in Florida we have a little thing called three-tier and what that means is that if I make distilled spirits I can't sell really any of it except for a very small quantity directly to the general public okay everything has to go through a distributor and then that distributor has to sell everything to restaurants bars ABC Publix Total Wine those guys even though that means they're selling it we still have to go and market it yeah 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 there's so, a middleman yeah right. so it's um, that is a bit of a challenge because on top of that also a third of every bottle is excise tax and what excise tax is essentially look um, whether we pour it down the drain or we shower in it or <laughs> we you know just uh, we go and wash the floors with it um, we owe $13.50 per proof gallon to the federal government, and then six dollars to the state of Florida Jeez. in the wine. Excuse gallon. me, <laughs> that's crazy. So, so when you think about it, everyone's when you're selling, got their hands in your pockets, right? When you're selling a thousand cases a year, um, your margins, uh, especially on some spirits like vodka, are just razor thin. And uh, so, and, uh, and to remedy that, a lot of states have eased up on what they call their three tier, their control state, and they'll allow small craft distilleries to sell directly to the public and that makes the difference it's almost like it is for the brewers being able to sell growlers yeah yeah well that and, just happened in the last couple of years or right. years in florida here yeah and how they can sell from their own taps without having to go to a distributor it can mean the difference between life or death for absolutely small brewers and yeah. it's the same for small distillers. especially people who are making art i mean you're, you're right. making something beautiful out of nothing and, and you should be able to sell it. I mean, I don't, as long as you're doing it well, I don't want people to go blind, you know. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, so that's, those are the challenges to get into being a distillery. So, you know, we we ran the numbers on all of that. And just to, because, you know, there's a lot of guys that go out there, like, oh, you know, let's raise two, three, four million dollars and start a new distillery and we'll make it look magnificent. Yeah. And, um, Paul and I kind of went about this saying, like, let's do it as a proof of concept. Let's do it with the money out of our own pocket and get this rolling. It, it won't look sexy to start, but let's just see. Run up the flagpole, we have see to who learn. at it. Yeah. Let's figure out what we're doing and waste our own money before we waste someone else's. That's, that's, that's just good business, too, you know? And you have a solid product when you go look for somebody to invest or... When you get to the point where I think you are now, you can go, right. I have this, I've done this. Right. Taste, right. taste this. Right. Yeah. And so we became the first distillery ever in the history of Orange County, Florida. and Legitimate. If you go down to the Orange County Historical Society. Yeah, I, I, I have a funny feeling there's been some distilleries here there's, in town. There's, but. Some, <laughs> there's some great pictures of the sheriff in the 50s with the axe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Bang up stills. But... Uh, you know, we're the first distillery to make bourbon in the state of Florida. Cool. I've yeah. had your bourbon. It's very, 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 yeah. very good. Yeah. That's, uh, okay. And riddle me this. Uh, what's a, a brew distillery? The brew distillery is our new facility. Uh, and it's, it is, it is a unique facility in the sense that 
it pairs up a brewery with a distillery. And there's a few of these around the country, but not in Florida. And what we didn't really set out to have a brew distillery. It was more a creature of threading that regulatory needle. And uh, what that comes down to is, you know, we're the Winter Park Distilling Company, so we want to stay in Winter Park. And we needed to uh, scale up our facility. We wanted to put in tours. And we wanted to have you know, people to come and be able to sit down and drink. The City Winter Park doesn't allow standalone bars. And so, um, <laughs> you know, we were just saying, oh, God, what are we going to do? Well, turns out they will allow a tap room with a brewery. So we just paired the two of them up because basically the process for making distilled spirits is the <laughs> same as making beer. Yeah, yeah. And all it is is, you know, you're, you're essentially you're fermenting out of some grain substrate that you've managed to coke sugar out of it. Uh, and then you take that beer and you put it in a still and you separate the water from the alcohol. You just said a little while ago that you didn't feel like what you're doing was sexy. This sounds very sexy to me. <laughs> I mean, you, you've got everything I love. Right. Yeah, in one room. And, uh, and I know it's going to be near some wildly amazing restaurants. And it's within uber distance of my house. Yes. You know, I... I uh, I'm very excited about your product, man. <laughs> no, you know, and I'm not going to, there, you know, I know you had um, Larry on from Cask yeah, yeah. a few weeks ago. That kid's amazing. And yeah. he's, uh, he's brilliant. And, you know, we've, we've talked with him about some of the stuff we're doing and there's, we've, you know, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I think there's plenty of, between the two of us, it's just the excitement and the adrenaline that we can do collaborations and all sorts of neat stuff. Especially, you know, um, the really neat thing that we're doing right now involves um, beer barrel aging. Yeah. And that's where you take a... a <laughs> Listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we, you, take, you, take, uh, you take just like a bourbon barrel, because you can't use a bourbon barrel for anything else once you've aged bourbon in it. Yeah. Uh, you, can use it you can't use it for bourbon again, essentially, is what it is. But, uh, so what we've been doing is we've been giving them to Orlando Brewing Company, and they put like a red ale in them or something like that, and hand them back to us, and we'll just go ahead and throw 180-proof rum into it and let it sit there. And that's, that's the other beauty about having a distillery in Florida. Um, I mean, the weather here is just absolutely dreadful for human beings in the summertime, but it is perfect for aging spirits. <laughs> it's 100 degrees in the Rick House. And the other neat thing is, I mean, in the center of the state with the humidity that we have here, uh, it, it really conspires to keep the, uh, what they call the angel share at a minimum. Yeah. Because the Good humidity... Good name for a band, by the way. The I don't know why there's not a band <laughs> named the angel share. I'm sure it's been trademarked by, uh, by Brown Foreman or something by now, so I can't, can't use that term. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> they, no, but I mean, it really... Uh, Lawyers! I, I know, I know. <laughs> Lawyers, lawyers just ruin everything. It's gonna be <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, so it's a perfect weather for doing what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's you know that's the essential thing. What they call terroir. Ooh, terroir. That's fun gonna, to say. <laughs> say it one more time like that. Terroir. I know. Okay, one more thing. Uh, what's the Baron Peacock? The Baron Peacock is going to be the tap room. So, you know, we're setting up just essentially two entities. We'll all be and living for the next couple of years. You know? Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. And the, that is an homage to sort of our two, you heard me talking about Bear Gully before. Yummy. That's uh, an homage to sort of our two uh, sort of uh, initial logo brands. Um, you know, we started out of the trap with a whiskey called Bear Gully Classic, which 
you know, this is just kind of takes you back to the mischief making days near Bear Valley Lake. And, uh-huh. and I think you just said partying. I think that's how you describe right, it. Right. Yeah, by a, yes. Partying yes. by a castle. Yes. <laughs> Part burned out castle. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> that happens in England in Winter Park. Right. <laughs> Maybe Wales. Right? More kilts. Sure. And, uh, sure. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> so, but uh, the other was genius. My business partner went to Rollins. So. We, for the vodka, we ran out of the trap with the iconic Winter Park Peacock. Okay, yeah, I got you. See it now, I see it. Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's the Baron Peacock. That's going to go off. You're, you're going to do well, my friend. I ain't worried about you at all. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're very proud of it. We're very proud of it. And, you know, just to throw it in, you know, um, my wife has sort of joined the team, and she's dedicated mother by day, uh, you know, bourbon distiller by night. And you know, so Francesca has been an integral part of all of this. And so it's it's been a family effort. And Paul's parents, you know, are constantly. When I say when our process for bottling is perhaps the most pre-industrial. I mean, it is. It is. It, it's like going to an old mill house in the 18th century in cool. the sense that. We just have a workbench, and you know we're just using the only thing that's electric is the pump that's putting the liquid in the bottles. <laughs> I love it. And then we're just hand stamping the corks into it, and then putting the labels around it. And wrapping yeah, so it you're sweating, so. basically, is what you're. you're, you're yeah. There's a little bit of love in every bottle. Yeah, uh, and literally. Paul, Paul's parents love it, and they come down, and they every time we have to do a bottling run, they're down there labeling and everything, and they that's, put. That's cool. So it's it's good. We've been our family's involved in it. And, you know, when you run test batches of mash, you know, you'll sit there with those, you know, you've seen them, the, the buckets like the brewers have in the yeah. garage with the little glass pipe on the top of it. And the kids just totally get into it, you know, and tell them, you know, the yeast are farting. So, you know. <laughs> well, you, you were kind enough to bring something. What, what are we drinking? Oh, uh, this is... It's yummy, man. Yeah. <laughs> very special. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> You know, it's uh, what was that Bill Murray and Stripes? They can't do chicks dig me because I rarely wear underwear. <laughs> chicks dig me because I have, but this. when I do, you know, <laughs> it's something. It's usually something pretty special. Uh, so I've brought over. You know, you've you've tried the reserve, so I thought I would bring over something kind of unique. And this is a benchmark bottle of Haven uh, Solera aged bourbon. And this is something that we do. We don't sell under our own label. This is something that we make and bottle for Haven Restaurant over in Tampa, which is kind of a new thing, that a new gig that uh, the Burns Group has going on. And it's Solera aged. And they we're probably one of like two, maybe three distilleries in the entire United States that make this. When you told my wife this in, in my kitchen, uh, I acted like I knew what that was. But this is bullshit. <laughs> what, what is Solera aged? That sounds All right. amazing. Well, well, you know, the, the process for making bourbon is essentially that you, you know, we use what's called a 90-10 corn mash bill. So we use local corn and, you know, we'll make kind of a porridge like you would serve to orphans in the 19th century. Cool. And uh, you make, you know, and that becomes the substrate basically for all of our whiskeys and really some of our other spirits as well. But for our whiskeys, it's very important. And the other 10% is you know, called two-row barley. And we'll ferment that and then put it in the still. And we'll distill it to about 130 proof. And that gets put into a barrel for aging. 
and it comes out uh, about a you know year year and a half later, which in Florida is a long time. Yeah, you get a very deep and rich bourbon quickly in Florida. Um, but you know, as the distillery ages, we'll have bourbons going on two, four, six, eight years, um, and then uh, you know you go ahead and once it's out of the first round of bourbon barreling, um, you can't use that barrel again for bourbon. So what we've been doing is um, taking already aged bourbon, blending it, and then you put it into a finishing barrel, which we're calling our Solera barrel. Okay. And um, you let that finished bourbon finish a little bit further inside the Solera. You're getting barrel. personalities from other right. bourbons. Like and, it. And like absolutely. It. And yeah. then what you do is you crack off about, you know, 75, 80% of that barrel, bottle it, and then you leave a little bit of residue in there, and then you put in another blend. For the next one, like it, yeah. And then you keep doing that over and over and over and over again, and eventually, you know, you get, uh, you, you get a unique batch every time. So whenever you go to Haven, you see batch number one, two, three, you're gonna notice very, very distinctive flavor characteristics in each batch. You told me Haven is a restaurant in Tampa? Yeah. All right, if you're in Tampa, go to Haven, man, and get some of this. Absolutely. <laughs> it needs to be in your mouth, it's and important. When we open, uh, when we open uh, the storefront at the Baron Peacock and the Brewstillery, uh, hopefully here, mid-April, uh, we'll be really? Selling, Is that yeah. that close? Mm. Hot damn! You must not be sleeping at all. <laughs> mm. I mean, it's well. There's, there's. I, I know, I know. You yeah. never, you never. <laughs> I may, I may have just jinxed it. You know, it's not. Well, this isn't coming out for a couple but, weeks. You know, so, this yeah. out, but we're we're aiming for mid-April. Good. Right now, I'm very so. pleased. I know you. You. You're. Every time you post the picture, I, I feel like like I hit the like button too much, but I'm like, yes, no, happen no. quicker. Yeah. yeah. Um. There's, there's going to be links to all this stuff in the show notes. Look at them. I, it, it's, I, I can't say enough good things about, about some of the products that are coming out of my town, and yours is one of the ones I believe in a lot. If nothing else, you're going to come down and see a still. that We've got a brand new still coming in that is an absolute beast. That's and, cool. Yeah. Uh, it is going to be a twin column still. Um, see, it's yeah. sexy. You were talking <laughs> the way you were talking about that, man. It's like, yeah, yeah, it, that's... It's dude stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and girls. Girls like booze. Girls love whiskey. You must be popular when you go back to your reunion. Have you been back to your 20-year reunion? Yes. Oh, you yes. must have been the coolest guy in the room, right? Uh, you know. You were high. Admit it. You were high on the list of the coolest guys there because people know what you do. You know, it's it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. You know, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, you got any the booze, man? Did you bring anything with you? No, it's... Uh, I... I we have uh, actually, you know, a lot of my classmates still live in the area here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's the great thing. Actually, one of them lives around the corner from me, and you know, we still all get together uh, every now and again. I love being able to take them up to Park Social. Yeah, yeah. And order, you know, a cocktail off their menu that has our spirits in it. Or I made that. That's Prado me. or Luma or something yeah. like that. You know, and it's, uh, you know. Cask and Ravens Pig all have it, so it's it's a lot of fun to be able. And, and actually, you know, I'll give a shout out. You know, TR Fire just opened up, and they actually, just to their credit, I mean, they before they even opened their doors, they came to us and said, uh, 
we want you because we want we want to show a commitment to local. That's cool. So yeah. That see, was, there's so much of that going on around yeah. here, and that that I love it here. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I, for a little while, I was like, I don't want, I don't want to go, but mm -hmm. <laughs> even if I go, I think that this is home. You know, yeah. yeah we, we we travel a lot, and we go and have these little adventures from time to time. But this is, and, and it's just, it's just all of a sudden, boom! There's this explosion of interesting things, things happening in Orlando, and uh, it's just been fun to watch. I, you know, I'll, I can say, I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I grew up here, then moved away to go to college, and then, you know, I, I lived in Washington D.C. on and off for thirteen years, and uh, lived in California for. Three or four years, and uh, you know, even the I, I had a blast everywhere that I've lived. Oh, so two good places, yeah. DC, I, I, I like, and California. Yeah, it's San Diego. I mean, I know you have a special, uh, special San affinity Francisco. for San Francisco. San Francisco is my place, yeah. But um, you know, I love being in. A, first of all, you know, home is always home. Yeah, yeah. But Orlando is. Um, a, like you said, I mean, it's really ramped up just how many fun things there are to do, but it's neat to be in a community that's this size. Um, that, you know, you can... It's a big little town. Yeah. It really is. I, I've said that from the get-go. You know, you can we can find culture. You might have to go drive a couple miles this way or that way. But uh, it, it's... I do like it here. Uh, I'm going to put all these links in the show notes. This is where I, uh, we start to get personal. Um, sure. Uh, these are the top three things. Your top three bands and or singers, songwriters. Go quick off the top right. of your head. Off the top of my head, actually, I off wrote the, these off down. your notes. I mean, I've listened to this and I've read enough times. This is I knew this was coming. This there, is there is there is so, no right answer. There, there, this is I gotta you. say I got I gotta lead off with the Pretenders. I okay, that'll, is, that, Chris my list is not particularly eclectic given some of your past guests. I've heard <laughs> some really. It's a you know and REM and the Stone Temple Pilots oh, really yeah, just kind of yeah. round out that top. But you know I. I listen to all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's um, most people say the kind of the weirdest thing about me is I, you know, they see me driving around and I'll have the windows down. I'll be listening to Schooly D, <laughs> Mickey Avalon. You know, I really like Blur. You know, and, uh, no, those are that. That's good. So, yeah, Life is too short to get uh, that get but, get pigeonholed into one little thing. You know, I, you know, I really uh, the Pretenders is you know, big Hollow Notes. Uh, did you see Hollow Notes? They were just here. No, I've no I wanted seen... to go too. Have you been up to uh, what's what's the name of that place downtown? The big place where Hall and Notes played. I don't know. Across from the city hall or the the. Uh, what's oh, the, the big performing arts oh, center? Oh, the the pack the Dr. Phillips. Yes, D yeah. Dr. Phillips. Yeah. The pack yeah. Isn't it? It's beautiful. <laughs> it, it's, it is. It's, it's insane how beautiful that place is. We we actually went and saw them at SeaWorld, I want yeah. to say when they still had their concert series. No, uh, that's cool. Years ago. See, I've never and seen Hall and Notes, but I'm I'm definitely a fan. And, uh, you know, they, it's amazing. I mean, those guys just still absolutely uh, play like they did 35, 40 years. Yeah, ago. yeah. I mean, that's Blue Eyed Soul. Yeah. That, that, that's all it is. It's, it's everything that's good about music in that time. Uh, I'm assuming you read, or you yes. had read, uh, top three books, please. Uh, well, just the last three that I read, actually. I good for you. Um, you win. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever this one. This is this is a must read. I think for everyone. I think they would get really entertained. Yeah, Class by uh, Paul Fussell, and uh -huh. it's a book that was written probably about 25, 30 years ago, maybe even longer back. But you know, everybody has this 
misconception, you know, that America is kind of a classless society. And Paul is this sort of social scientist that just kind of picks apart exactly what it is that distinguishes, you know, makes Americans much more class-centric uh, than they think they are. <laughs> and it's actually, you know, it's, it's a fascinating read. Yeah, yeah. And um, the other is uh, Lost at Sea, uh, the John Ronson mysteries. John Ronson's a reporter for, the, he's a columnist for the, uh, the Independent in the UK, and he's fascinated by oddball stories. So this is just sort of an assemblage of little vignettes. Uh, there's a great one on uh, the Insane Clown Posse and their anti-science crusade. <laughs> you have me at Insane Clown Posse. I mean, you know, if, you've, if you've got any Juggalo fans out there, ICP, please. ICP, what, what? You know, yeah. <laughs> Whoop-de-whoop, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Love it. But uh, the, the, what was the other they were talking about? It, it, it was, um, I don't know if you knew this, the, the guy that created... Uh, Serious satellite radio, uh-huh. brilliant engineer, figured out how to put it all together, and then uh, went through gender reassignment, and uh, now Did, lives his life as a woman. Didn't see that coming. Yeah, married, good. married to this other woman whose name is Bina. Good for them. And they're big into technology solving the problem of dying or death, and so they've poured. Uh, untold amounts of money into creating uh, an android that will mimic the Bina. I'm not even closely doing this justice. This sounds amazing. Go on YouTube and yeah. you can actually see Bina has a handler and Bina goes and travels around and it's the, the Bina the android I'm talking about here. And it's supposed to be uh, their, their goal is to download your thoughts into some sort of robotic and it's fucking frightening and, excuse me no they've created <laughs> no no and, uh, um, I want to say uh, the guy his name eludes me but you know, he they live actually over in Melbourne now, yeah, yeah. part of the year and the son actually just ran for Congress I want to say perfect uh, <laughs> so that's this book is filled with uh, stories yeah that just, you would never believe and then um, anybody that's interested in distilling an alcohol period I would recommend there's a book called Proof that I just finished. Um, a guy named Adam Rogers. He's an organic chemist, but he speaks plain English, and he wrote this so fantastic it's, it's the layman's book. version of this. Yeah, uh, he goes all through history and basically explains where beer and distilled spirits came from, and the whole that science cool. of yeah. fermentation, and why you get hangovers, and uh, all the things. One of the most fascinating things is um, how hard it is to communicate a smell. And that it, how that eludes still uh, scientists to this day. So definitely go pick those three up. Those are good. Yeah, that's uh, and, and the fact that you just read all three of them. That that's, I, I I'm impressed by that because it, it amazes me how many people don't read. And I'm guilty of it too. Like I pick up books. I've got I've probably got a stack of ten books next to my bed that I pick through mm-hmm. all of them. And then weeks will go by and I don't touch them and then I'll, I'll go through my reading thing. And I, I've got a book that I've been reading for like three years and I, I'm, just, I'm just bad at it, but I like it. And it's one of those things that I did as a kid. So I'm, I'm going to read more. I'm going to get rid of Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to go outside and play. Uh, top three movies. Quick, go. Top three movies. Oh, gosh. I'm going to say Wall Street. Good, is, solid. Is old favorite Blade Runner. Yes. Oh, God, I, yeah, I, I, 
that's just a fantastic combination of Ridley Scott and Philip K. Dick. You know, and uh, oh gosh, what else? Um, let me see if I've got one written down here. <laughs> oh, I gotta throw in a good lawyer movie, uh, The Verdict. Who was in that? I know Paul that. Newman. Paul Newman. Okay, yes, yes. I think I've seen that. Paul good. Newman, and that is one of those, especially for trial lawyers. You know, they they love the verdict. You know, it's, um, you know I guess Paul Newman plays this uh, brilliant uh, civil lawyer that's just you know, down on his luck. He's a hardcore alcoholic, and he's got the shakes, and he's, his practice is barely hanging on. And he's handed uh, a case. Uh, woman who died in a hospital that just basically pits him against you know one of the oldest law firms in Boston. And you, uh, it, it is probably one of Paul Newman's best performances. Really? Yeah. I, I know I've seen it. I guess I got to go back and look at it again. Or maybe I, I've, maybe I don't know. You watch Better Call Saul? Uh, no, no. But I've heard, I've heard that that is definitely. <laughs> we are. Uh, we we just got I'm, on the Better Call Saul bandwagon. It's it's uh, pretty interesting. I, I, I get. I, I haven't seen uh, Breaking Bad at all. And, oh, dude, you're killing me. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's, watch it's, those first, and then go back and right. watch. Right. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where I'm just like, I, I know, I'm gonna be like Fred and Carrie, uh, from Portlandia. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When they sit down with Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> next thing you know, their electric bill's not getting paid. Yeah, yeah. That, know, that's that's what's gonna happen. Losing their house. You know, I'll get sucked in. I will binge. Watch and you, it. you're a busy dude lately, so. You know, <laughs> Come May, June, you can. That's right. We'll we'll just put it on the TV set in the uh, in the Brustillery. We'll all sit around and watch it and wait for the lawyers to come in and tell us to shut them off. <laughs> we're shutting this like... down. <laughs> I hope not, please. Um, you, you you were assigned a task of asking me uh, three questions. I'd like you to ask me your first of the three, please. All right, young man. All right. I'm trying to keep these questions kind of light. I don't want to get too heavy. Anything's good. All right. If a movie was being made about your life, and stop me if someone's already asked you Mm-mm. this, because I've tried to listen to all these podcasts, but if a movie was being made about your life and you could choose the actor who played you, who would you choose and why? I would always go John Cusack. You'd have okay. to shave his head first, but uh, <laughs> I, I've, uh, I think I, I, you've seen Say Anything, right? Yes. I, Lloyd Dobler, come on. Okay. <laughs> like I, I would say better off dead, though. I see, mean, really? You know, that's, I, 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 I'm, uh, that's, that's always my favorite Cusack. So. Oh, no. <laughs> or the Grifters is good, too. Grifters is good. Grifters is pretty solid. Uh, no, uh, Lloyd, some, come on. S- something Gee, about... Ricky, I'm sorry, your mom blew up. <laughs> <laughs> something about Lloyd. Like, I, he just was me, you know, that... <laughs> That uh, that scene where uh, Ioni uh, Claire is that her name? Claire gets Ioni in the car. Yeah, Claire yeah. gets in this car for the first time, mm-hmm. and she looks down and says, "What's this?" He says, "It's Dutch Bavarian style pretzels." And it, they don't explain why he brought them, but and then the the tape, the Fishbone. He's listening to mm-hmm. Fishbone, which is also awesome in his cassette tape. His cassette tape that deck. Uh, it starts to kind of not work correctly, and he reaches up and grabs a piece of cardboard and shoves it in to make the. the, the I was like, "That's me!" Yes. <laughs> yes. And I know, I, I know that, that uh, John Cusack isn't that guy, but I I'd have Lloyd Dobler play me. Right. But but also John Cusack was in High Fidelity too. Yes. Which, and I worked in a record store, and we were those assholes. <laughs> we, we really were those guys. If you were, lived in Fort Pierce, and I know I have some listeners in Fort Pierce, and you came into the tape deck and I made fun of whatever it is that you were buying. I apologize now. <laughs> but I was probably right. 
<laughs> you probably shouldn't be buying vanilla ice. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions now. Sure. Um, what's the nicest thing you've ever done for somebody that ended up backfiring in the end? The nicest thing. You know, I, I could say that in... I can't think of anything outside of when I was uh, starting out in private practice. Um, you know, I took a lot of uh, pro bono in small cases just to sort of build up my credibility. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there were occasionally clients that were always very grateful for what you're doing. Um, but occasionally you would get the ones, you know, that you're working for free. Yeah. <laughs> You're spending a lot of time uh, and a lot of effort going into court for them and just, you know, trying to help straighten things out. And a lot of times, I mean, these are just absolutely unwinnable situations. <laughs> right? It's and um, and of course, you know, they're a lot. Of, sometimes they would be the first ones to say that, you know, you're doing a horrible job or I don't feel like I'm. I, you know, they, I won't go into all the yeah, details yeah, of no, it, but I, I, I mean, it, that yeah. was always no good deed goes unturned was, you know, sometimes uh, when you're, you know, you would get clients that would ask you to do the most mundane thing and you'd send them a bill and they would be eternally grateful for it. And then <laughs> you would, uh, you would go out of your way to try and help somebody and do something for them that they couldn't do for themselves or they're being victimized, especially during the foreclosure crisis. Oh God, I can't even imagine and, going uh, through that. People and, are, are just at their worst possible situation, right. the worst possible thing. And, and it's not their fault. I mean, it's, well, they're, they're under a lot of stress. 75% of the time happening. it might not be their fault. Well, no, no, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to seem like, you know, like, they're, like I feel they're being ungrateful or anything. Yeah. It was just, you know, it was not an optimal situation. No, it's no fun. That's no fun. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I'm working I, for free and you're getting shouted at by yeah, your own clients. Your new so, job yeah. is cooler than your old job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, question number two. Although there's something cool about a lawyer. We were just talking about lawyer movies. And right. There's, there's a lot of them. You know, there's a whole TV show we were just talking about that, that's based on that. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's got to be cool. When it's good, it's got to be very, very good. When it's bad, it's got to be really, really super duper bad and disappointing, I imagine. Yeah, I I, you know, most, a lot of people come up to me and they're like, wow, it must be great to be doing this now because, boy, being a lawyer stinked and you know, I'll bet you're one of those disgruntled types. You know? <laughs> and they say that because there are a lot of them out there. Yeah. They're, you know, the, the law profession is not what it used to be for a lot of people. But uh, for me personally, I had a blast. Yeah. Uh, I had some very unusual clients that had unusual cases that took me around the world cool and chasing down unusual witnesses unusual case leads yeah, and things like that so fun. Yeah. i i had a very good time but when people say well why why would you give up you know a lucrative profession like that and i'm just like well forgive my business partners heard this expression before i always harken back to when the leg as the legend goes that Sean Connery was offered, if I recall, the role of Morpheus uh, for The Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. handed him the script, and he turned it down because he just said, you know, it makes no goddamn sense. You know, and it's... <laughs> and, and everyone just was, like, shocked. And it was most of all, you know, Keanu Reeves, you know, was like, I looked at the script, and I could tell it kicked ass. Yeah. And when... If, if you're in a position to change your career, especially 
when you enjoy to go do something, I mean, you have to believe 110%, but also, I mean, you have to believe it's going to kick ass. And just looking, I mean, at the possibilities for this distillery and how much fun it could be, I mean, it would just, I, I would be kicking myself if I wasn't going to do it. And, and worst case scenario, this all goes south. Knock on wood, because I don't want it to. Uh, you can still be a lawyer, dude. You're young, sure. <laughs> you know, and, and you just said you like doing it. That's yeah. that's not a bad thing. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm going go with the distillery. You're being make, being you're a making distiller, a good decision, young man. Being a distiller is definitely a lot more fun. People yeah. definitely want to talk to you. Yeah, I, I imagine um, people want to talk to the distiller more than the lawyer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know I do, but the lawyer seems cool too. I I, I don't know. Um, uh, uh, question number two. What are the three, and actually when I wrote this, it was going to be five, but I figured that might be too much. What are the three most important things for a man to learn in life? I know these, but I'm just going to try and kind of prioritize them in my head. No um, right answer. I, it goes without saying humility, but um, well, I, I think as, as I grow older, um, empathy. And I say that as really also a father. Um, as, as I am, you know, as we all have different challenges as parents. Uh, but, not me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, he, you're a father to a wonderful dog. I dropped my dog and the dog here. Um, and she's yeah. not so wonderful most of the time. You haven't heard podcast seven, have you? <laughs> oh no, the, the, the yes. barcast. Yes, yeah. yes, okay, yes. Mm. I was actually I listened to that in my car. Did you make it? Oh uh, God, so that must have been annoying. <laughs> the, I, it was great to pull up the stoplights and roll the window down. Yeah, so the people, <laughs> if you made it all the way through, I'm very impressed. But uh, people, what do people think is the opening, uh, opening of that uh, Chains Addiction? Song. Yeah. Uh, but, oh. <laughs> Damn it! I wish I went there. <laughs> Um, but uh, no, yeah, I would say empathy, you know, humility, empathy, but empathy most importantly, especially when it comes to your relationship with your kids. Um, admittedly, I was not prepared mentally to be a father. And, I don't think you ever can be, but and that's the big challenge, you know, is remembering, you know, everything else that's going on in your life. Nothing is really as important as what's going on in their life. Absolutely. And remembering that and just taking yourself out of your own petty concerns for a moment. That means you're a good father. To just try and remember. Yep. And yeah, I don't always do it, but no, I try. No, but you can't expect to be perfect all the time, you know? No, no. That no. doesn't happen rarely. To, is there the perfect father? I mean, I was blessed with one that was 99.99999% perfect. Uh, but uh, I don't know. If, if you realize that you need to do that, you're well on your way to being stellar father so good for you um, I would just say third is um, uh, perspective and I know that this all this may sound kind of trite I mean I, you know but um, there there are days that I remember before when I was working as a lawyer for somebody else that you would get totally wrapped up in petty concerns and then when you finally jump out the window, and you know this is a small businessman yourself, when you jump out the window and there's no paycheck coming, uh, you, you really realize that there are huge things to be worried about, but that they shouldn't 
consume your life because there's just too much other excitement going on. And uh, I think that uh, as I've grown older and I've had to start a number of businesses, a law firm, and start uh, this distillery, having the perspective of just knowing what it is really that you do need to worry about, what you don't need to worry about, um, really puts the rest of your life in base relief. I think it goes down to do what makes you happy. Right. You know, and if unless you're a knucklehead, the knuckleheads shouldn't do what they're <laughs> do what you're told. Uh, uh, but I mean, obviously, and I, this is a compliment. You're educated. You 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 goal oriented. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. I don't think you're going to jump in with both feet into something that's stupid without having a game plan, at least a mild game plan. <laughs> you know. Uh, so and like I said, and you have a backup plan. I'm, I'm assuming you're a lawyer. It's, it's a pretty yeah. good backup plan. Yeah. I have I have no backup plan. No, I no, mean, but I married well. Especially, so especially when you've got a family, you know. You, well, that's you that's know, the most important you can't, part. You can't of just, it. just you you, yeah. you be a man. You get a right. job and two if you need to. You know you that that's just it. Can't just go run out and buy a pharmaceutical company. You know, <laughs> no. Jack the price up seven thousand. Apparently, you can. You know, <laughs> that's the you sad know. part of that, but. If there's a hell, you'll wind up in it. <laughs> or you'll own a Wu-Tang album. You know, that, that's... that's dickhead. If you're listening, you're a dickhead. I know you're not. But, uh, fuck you. Excuse me. I'm sorry. That, no, that's <laughs> perfectly um, appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I'm, you know, I will just say I'm always amazed by that character. Because uh, what, what is it? He loves to sit around live streaming and just answer questions from all the people around the country that just absolutely hate him. And you realize just the depth of dysfunctional personality that you're dealing with. You almost have to kind of mire the balls on that dude. Like, to, to sit in front of, what was he? He was sitting in front of Congress. For I know, starters, that's, that's, so that was going to be yeah. smirk <laughs> on his face. He was tweeting. He was tweeting. Oh, you know, and I say this, you know, um, when I, <laughs> it was just remarkable. I, you know, I uh, when I first um, got out of college, I, w- I worked. Uh, I, I I worked uh, in the Senate, and then I worked in the House of Representatives for a while. And to, just the the utter implausibility and just thinking of you know going and sitting in front of an august body no matter what you think of the men and women behind that podium it is yeah. always the office not the person that you're dealing with uh, and, not for him and he's sitting there and then tweeting about it <laughs> while he's doing it i'm like oh my god this is just like you said either this is just two massive metallic orbs clanging together or that he, this guy is just absolutely out of his just skull. The, the set on that dude <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I just he's just got such a punchable face he does yeah he does. um no question number three uh what are the best practices for interacting with people and developing social charm <laughs> Okay, wait. You're gonna have to run that one by me again. What are the best practices for interacting with people and developing social charm? These are social, tailor, these are tailor made for you. These questions. Social charm. Yes. Oh wow. Uh, what is social charm? I have no idea. Okay. Look at me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've been cursing like a sailor the whole time, and it's very nice. <laughs> you know, you wear it well, though. I, I mean, know. The, the, profanity the, is an art. I know. So, yeah. That me is, and Carlin, that sure. Is, you know, <laughs> We're in. <laughs> um, I, 
I I'll just say yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I learned all of my profanity uh, lovingly uh, at, at the, the feet of perhaps one of the greatest swearers, and that was my dad. And uh, <laughs> and uh, he I, he was totally a god to me on a number of levels, but especially for his articulate use of profanity. Good for him. And yes. uh, so I, you yeah, know, God bless him. Uh, and but um, the the best thing you have to have, I, you can't like when you're. When you're dealing with somebody, you know, for the first time, I mean, the best thing, I mean, it's, you have to be sincere. And you have to ask, so, you know, you have to be a listener. I think that's, that's a, that's a problem for a lot of people. I think you just nailed it on the head. You really did. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and that's, uh, um, I remember when I was, I think, Getting, uh, I took an obscure elective class my final year of law school that was um, a local lawyer in San Diego that said, um, it was all, you know, oh, ask open-ended questions, but he's like, you're, you're not going to learn anything unless you're a good conversationalist and a good listener because your client is always going to come in and tell you their story and it's always not the story you need to hear. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you need to know to that's got to be the hardest part. Right. I never even thought about that. None of what you just said is important to me. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's you always it's always because of course I mean there's there's your story, the other side story, and the truth lies somewhere. Yeah, between. absolutely. So. That's funny. Um, question number two from me, for, uh, for me, please. Mm. Sorry. I think your bourbon just, is it bourbon? The whiskey just kicked in. Did you did good. Yeah, it's just uh I'm losing lower lip control. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Okay. If you could be invisible for a day, Ooh. what would you do? Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, I, could, I could go the perverted way. <laughs> so many good things to do. Um... I, I mean, I could go the perverted way, but I, I think I... You could go the superhero way, too. No, I, I don't want to even add that. <laughs> it's a, you said for one day? Yes. I'm just going to go the annoying way. I'm, I'm just, just, hey, just smoking, you know, just <laughs> closing doors and knocking shit off shelves. and so Patrick Swayze from Ghost. Oh, yeah, I'm, right. totally, I'm totally doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going downtown. I'm going to the mall. I'm, go, I'm driving down the fancy mall, down the Millennium, just... Yeah, I, I, um, yeah. I, I if it's just for a day, just for a day. Yeah, then I, I'm, I'm just gonna annoy people. I'm taking. I mean, I, am I naked? Can I take my cell phone with me? Is that, is that uh, invisible? Also, I'm assuming I'm naked. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of funny too. <laughs> now I want to go perverted. <laughs> there we go. It all comes back. To me. Damn it. Um, I'm, I'm going annoying. I'm, I'm playing. Practical, not not mean-hearted, not not mean jokes on people. I'm, so you're I'm, not government agent. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not a super. I'm, I'm not cut out to be superhero. Sneak, in, sneak into the KGB. No, no, no. That, that, I only have a day. How am I going to get break there? Break into ISIS Logistics. headquarters. This isn't going to work. Okay. No. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. I, I'm. I'm. I might uh, find my buddies and play some practical jokes on them. I might scare my wife a couple times. I might shoplift a little. No, but you can't do that because you, you'll see the, your bottle of booze coming out, right. out of the, the story. So I, I, 
Practical jokes. It's just practical It's limited jokes. to practical jokes. Yeah, it's just this, just that. Um, uh, today's episode is brought to you by Bama Bama Vintage. Of course, Bama Bama Vintage is an online clothing store specializing in uh, vintage menswear, ranging from the 1930s to right around the 1980s. Tuxedos, dinner jackets, suits, ties, shirts, uh, vintage denim, shoes, and just about anything else that's vintage and stylish. Um, Bama Bama Vintage is offering a 15% discount in their online store to listeners of Scotch and Good Conversation. Just use uh, the discount code SCOTCH at checkout. Um, I'm going to spell it out for you. Uh, go online and just Google Bama Bama Vintage, B-A-M-A-P-A-N-A Vintage. Google it. It will come up. Uh, question number four for you. This one's a little long, so you're going to sure. put your listening ears on. All right. All right. You've just celebrated your 75th birthday in good health. As far as you can tell, you're a spry, relatively normal 75-year-old. And this condition does come, uh, does not seem to change over time. When you celebrate your 80th birthday, you still look and feel exactly like you did when you're 75. When you hit 90, same thing, you look and feel like you're 75. On your 100th birthday, you realize that most of your friends are now dead or dying, but physically, you are the same independent person you were 25 years ago. You hit 110, same results. Every year, you're celebrating a new birthday without uh, without physically evolving beyond 75. Doctors have no explanation for this. How old would you have to be before you seriously started to believe that you were immortal? how old before I become I believe that I'm immortal and this is the doctors are examining me at 110 they can't they can't figure it out well I mean if you're 110 and you're spry (laughs) I think that right there would be enough to tell me that something is is, that there's something unique and special about me I mean because look See people out there that are 114, 116 years now, and I you don't know. want to get that old. It just well, seems terrible. Well, you know what? I honestly, you see some of the uh, they they look actually better than sometimes you know people in their in their seventies and eighties. Uh, but um, that's that's got to be the worst though, is seeing everyone around you that you grew that's, up with. Yeah, die. it's that vampire thing. That's what makes Barnabas yeah. Collins such a sad character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's and that's. That is right now, you know. Um, my mom is kind of going through that. Oh and, no! You know she's in her eighties, and um, it's very tough for her now because I mean, you know, she's um, all just lost one of her childhood friends, oh. and so um, it's very tough on her. She's a tough lady. I mean, we'll just put that out there. She's not. She's not prone to sentimentality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, well, it's not. It's part of her generation, like, right? Yeah, that, that's 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 us. And, we do that. Right. They, they, they didn't do that. And and uh, but you can see it really. It really strikes her hard to yeah. see. You know that uh, a lot of uh, people that she cares about and, and that she grew up with are. Yeah, uh, you know she's outliving a lot of them. Oh, oh. She lives in town. Man, she lives uh, downtown by Lake Eola. You good boy. You call her all the time. Go by and see her. I'm not as good a boy as I should no, be. No, you. I bet you're better than I am. Uh, yeah. it's, 
you know, she's, uh, she, she, to her credit, you probably, I don't know, do you, do you go to Fringe at all? Uh, yes, I have. I used to work at Kinko's downtown, uh, so I dealt with the Fringe people okay. really up close for a little while, so it got really annoying. <laughs> uh, a lot of drama people <laughs> in, in, in Kinko's, you know, so I, I got Fringe with kind of a bad taste in my mouth. I know it's good. It's good for town, and I, I like theater, and I, right. I just, I, I really small I, I want to do theater in other towns no yeah she started um, this group of senior citizens you know uh, senior fringers I like yes, that yeah and they're they um, they sing like they, they get together and they they call themselves the downtowners and they sing like Lady Gaga and Madonna <laughs> and it. occasionally Elvis and Led Zeppelin and I like it yeah um, and apparently you know so she's really wrapped up in that a lot they got a so, website I doubt it oh damn uh, it I was gonna help they put might, it in the show notes yeah. the, the guy the guy might the guy that runs it uh, is, is a little bit younger he might have a Facebook page or something oh, I'll try to find it yeah the they're um, I'm not gonna I don't know if I should be mentioning this or not but uh you know they got called up for america's got talent oh so yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. but so my mom is is really wrapped up Good. in this tennis thing and yeah. um she's taken it really far <laughs> and it's it's amazing i mean it's uh was so, mom a performer before is this no wow no that, that must be amazingly fun for her it is. It yeah. is. It is. Um, and you know, and it also speaks to her her organizational ethic. She's she's always been really on on top of her shit. So. That's cool. Um, question number five. Um, what's the best habit you've ever taken from another person? Hmm. Saying God bless you. And I got it from my wife. Oh, all right. I never said God bless you until I met her, and she endowed me with that habit. It is not. That's we we are we we try to be gazoom type people, which I'm not sure if that what that means. I think it means to health. I think does that does. <laughs> but uh, I I used to, uh, and still do from time to time, have really super duper duper bad allergies where I mm-hmm. sneeze fifteen times in a row and look mm-hmm. like I was dying when I was done and. and Bless me, please. I need it. <laughs> That's nice, and it's nice to hear, especially when you're you're not feeling well and you're you're, you're uh, you've sneezed fifteen times in a row. Uh, question number six: mm-hmm. What is the most cringeworthy thing that uh, I, I think I have it down here as cringiest a thing that you did in middle school? Um, God, there's so many. Where do I start? <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> Boy, uh, you know, yeah. There's there's a reason why everybody hates eighth grade. <laughs> I had a good time. In eighth I grade. mean, there's just um, you know what? Um, I picked a fight with a kid. Good for you. Did he deserve it? Probably. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I don't. He may be one of your listeners. I think he's still local. I'm not sure. Um, and it was total bunk nonsense. I mean, there was no reason for us to be fighting. Um, and it was broken up like most 
like most fights you can imagine in prep school go. Yeah. <laughs> Stop! Yeah, I mean, it was just basically done inside of three seconds. This was... <laughs> It's the best kind of fight. This is, this is yeah. not like the fight in uh, They Live with Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I just remember afterwards tormenting myself for probably the better part of a summer about how stupid the whole thing was and just how embarrassed I was by the whole episode. Have you talked to this dude since? No, you know, he, he left Trinity after oh. eighth grade. Man. Oh, we you never, drove we, him out. Good for we you. We never saw each other again. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Winning. I just, I just remember thinking to myself, like, God, you know, what it, I, was, I was just a real jackass. And, uh, you ever see him? Have you seen him around town? No. I, I, okay, good. I, that's no. Uh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm sure he's forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, for, yeah, it was just, it's one of those things. It's just, you know, it was embarrassing and stupid. I've done lots worse than that. <laughs> I did worse than that yesterday, man. Uh, your third question to me, please. All right. You know what? I, this one, if you think it's lame, let me know. I'll, I'll pick it up. But, you know, given. Given your your background, I thought this might be interesting. What article of clothing most defines you? <laughs> you know that, that's funny, and and I love this question because I have this question. Um, I oh god, it's not, it, it doesn't look like it, but I'm a clothes hound, and and I don't I, I spend my life in shorts, and I, I but I sell clothing for a living. Uh, if it defines me, I, I would say I, I've been wearing checkerboard vans since '81, probably slip-ons specifically. One of the biggest fights I've ever gotten on gotten in with a girlfriend or a girl that I was involved with was she went in my car and threw away a pair of pink and purple checkerboard. Uh, actually, they were laced up lace ups. Because they had a hole in the toe, and I was like, "Are you out of your effing mind? <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we're married, you know. <laughs> we're in high school. Why would you throw something of mine away?" Um, and I think about those from time to time, and that makes me sad. Um, recently, when I turned forty-eight, <laughs> so stupid. I always wore black and white checkerboard brands. Um, because I think they're classic in a Scapoli yes. sort of way. Yes. But I went to black and gray checkerboard vans because I think that's more refined, like a gentleman's, gentleman's vans. I like that. If, if I like they that, will. yes. Um, yes. <laughs> um, gentleman's vans. I, the first time I went overseas, I uh, I was passing through London, and I was I went through this little like marketplace, and there was a Beastie Boys Run DMC concert shirt there, and I wanted it so bad. And I uh, went back. I was literally on the way to the airport to go home. And I went back, and the market was still open, but the booth was closed. Mm -hmm. And it had, like, a gate. And I could see the Beastie Boys shirt hanging. And I could almost touch it. And this has been the holy grail of vintage slash concert t-shirts slash things that I want in my life that I haven't been able to acquire. I've seen it on eBay well, they used to, around like 97 or 98, there were a couple of them floating around. And this is 97 or 98. They were three, 400 bucks for a stupid concert t-shirt. And I haven't seen them since. I, I have a bootleg of it. I own a bootleg of it. 
uh, which someone so you, you had that are you had a Run DMC concert T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, I got that. <laughs> that was ridiculous. I'll tell you what I paid for that afterwards. Right. <laughs> um, that was that was great. Um, that was a limited run for a specific show, like up in Brooklyn. So there was only oh like God. two or three hundred of those made, uh, and it was trash beyond belief. But uh, still, someone got a good deal. Someone someone wanted that shirt and, and got a good deal. I I'm a sucker for well the I, I would say the Vans to answer your question, but I'm also a concert T-shirt guy, and I know I shouldn't be. I mean I'm I'm a, I'm an adult, but I I like what I like, and that that's a uh, you know what though I mean they're a rarity now. Yeah, like good concert tees. You know, when you think of like the old Van Halen '79 three-quarter cut sleeve shirt. <laughs> oh, like yeah. yeah. The way the way the music has evolved. I mean, you know, the the, the, the giant amphitheater filling rock shows. Uh -huh. um, you know, with the tour dates on the shirts, you just don't see that anymore. I well, mean, they, they were limited. They really were. You know, like a, you had a run of a yeah. shirt for a show. I think that's a vestige of our childhood, and that's I think you know. I can see, you know, that when I see things like that and, you know, when I go and find old albums and things like that that are, you know, in real condition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it, it gives me a warm feeling, a sensation inside just remembering, you know, the way things used to be when you're a kid. And I guess that's a good sign I'm getting old. But, you know, it's... That's, that's nothing wrong with that, though. You know, you know it's, I, it's it's the, probably the warmest nostalgia that I have. I, I was, these days. The words out of my mouth were going to be nostalgia. I have a, a Descendants shirt that I I thrifted shortly after Dee Dee and I got together. So this was ninety seven, probably. So it, it's it's the real deal, and I know I can sell it. And I I wore it to the venue we got married. We got married at Courtyard Lake Lucerne. I wore it there. I wore it up until I put my tuxedo on, and I just refused to get rid of it. I know I can sell it for a boatload of money, and I don't even wear it anymore. Like I just can't bring myself to, to get rid of it. Uh, that's it. That that actually is a really good question. Yeah, you can't that, ever get rid of those shirts. No. Um, this is question number five, number seven for you, and no. we're actually almost done. We have one more. Okay. Uh, what's the most interesting fact that you know that I don't, but I should? And I have an example here, and uh, I don't know if you ever read Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, uh, I've seen the PBS uh, Doug, adaptation, but Douglas, I've not read the, all the books. This is a Douglas Adams quote. Uh, he said, my absolute favorite piece of information is the fact that young sloths are so inept that they frequently grab their own arms and legs instead of tree limbs and fall out of trees. What's the most, <laughs> what's the most interesting fact that you know that I don't? <laughs> I just want to throw that, that, that Douglas Adams quote in there because it makes me laugh every time I see it. The most interesting fact that I know that you don't. I would have went with the angels here thing, but I, I actually, I, I'm aware of what that is. I was so, going to say, yeah. that's uh, anyone that's seen Mila Kunis lately uh, in a Jim Beam commercial. <laughs> they've, uh, let's see here. Um, okay, well, here. All right. I'll bet you don't know this. Uh, whenever you make distilled spirits, there are three different types of alcohol that come off the still. And they're called the heads, the hearts, and the tails. Or I like that, yeah. High alcohols and the low alcohols and things like that. So basically the heads and the tails and this is every every still this is just basically a cornerstone of science is as, as, as sure as the sun coming up and going down 
that when you start heating uh, the wash up and start boiling the alcohol out of the water, you're going to get you know the high alcohols which are completely unconsumable. I mean that's like you know, acetyl alcohols that you can put in nail polish remover. Yeah, gone blind stuff. Right, and the ending alcohols are called the fusel oils, and they are called the oils just because they feel very slimy and viscous. Me too. So you can't. <laughs> Sorry. You can't consume. You can't consume either of those. So the only part you can actually drink is what's called the heart. Oh. And so this is really what distinguishes, more importantly than anything else, this is what distinguishes good vodkas from bad vodka. A lot of people, you know, there's a very famous vodka out of Austin, Texas that I won't name here because it's a fine vodka, <laughs> but, you know, they, they tout this kind of nonsense that it's distilled six times and you've got others that are like, no, we're distilled 10, 12 times. That's just it's BS. Um, it's how you... I just snorted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a girl. <laughs> Snorting is great. No. Um, so the, 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 the way that you tell um, a great vodka is essentially how well they cut the heads and the tails off. Um, and if you're running a giant factory just pumping out, gazillion tons of vodka <laughs> and your margins are such you know you might be tempted to a little bit of head and tail yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you're trying to create a really fine vodka you gotta be very aggressive and cut those heads and tails off and that's you know why when you taste a vodka that doesn't burn and doesn't you know give you uh, indigestion you know that that's a sign that they've been very aggressive and it's all heads heart and tails I like it yeah, absolutely yeah. so you you know you can distill shit six times and it will still be shit <laughs> uh, but you know if you distill it properly and I got you to curse the I'm tails, so that's pleased. right hey all right here we go <laughs> well, I didn't know that thank you that's uh um there's one more question and I think you know what this is do you know somebody that I don't know who could sit in the green chair and enjoy it and uh I, I, I'm assuming you know somebody I don't know, and if if you could reach out to them and uh, let them know that maybe they might be interested in that, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that that'd be I, I'd love to do that because the whole my whole thing about meeting, we kind of know each other. We've talked a couple sure. times, and but uh, uh, I appreciate you coming. Thank you very much. This is your your uh, that was delicious. The, uh, uh, well, I hope you know. I mean, I, it's you've. Uh, I got to say, I mean, you've had. I was kind of I had some anxiety uh, coming on this evening just because I've listened to some of your other guests, especially the ones that like you know rock and roll royalty in Orlando. And, and all that. And I'm like, I got cool friends. There's yeah, absolutely yeah. nothing I could say that would be as cool as what these guys. But uh, I, I hope I was at least as, no, uh, no, as mildly entertaining. I've said this like uh, I, you wouldn't be sitting there if I didn't think you. Yeah, you're in my home, so you know if you're a knucklehead. I would have chased you out of the door. Would have hit you with your bottle, capped it, and chased you out of the door. Uh, thank you for coming in. All the links to the Winter Park Distillery will be in the show notes. And uh, I want to thank my buddy, talking about rock, uh, local rock and roll royalty, uh, my buddy CJ Mask for uh, uh, composing my theme song and my closing credits. If uh, I, I always say listen, if you have never listened all the way through, listen all the way through because it gets all kinds of wonderful funky. And CJ is an amazing musician. He plays with Mike Dunn. He plays with Richard Chirpy and All God's Children, and he plays by himself around town. If you see any of those names, go see him, because uh, CJ's the man. 
want to remind you that uh, Bamboo Vintage is our sponsor. Don't forget that there's a 15% discount for listeners of this here podcast. Go online. If you see something in their shop and you like it, you get 15% off. Just use the discount code SCOTCH at checkout. And to spell the name, it's Bam Pam Vintage. It's a strange name, but it's a great company. B-A-M-A-P-A-N-A Vintage. Google it and you're going to find it. If you enjoy the podcast, if you like this, if you like Andrew, if you like Winter Park, uh, Winter Park Distillers, Distillery, Distillers, Distillery? Uh, Winter Park Distilling Company. Distilling Company. Um, uh, uh, tell a friend. I, I'd appreciate that. That, that. You know, pop it on Facebook, uh, pop it up on Instagram, uh, write a letter, do something. Uh, you can follow all our podcasts on iTunes or scotchandgoodconversation.com. If you like it, subscribe. I'd love for you to read, uh, leave a review. That helps us out. You can uh, leave a message if you hate us or love us at 407-965-5557. That's three fives. And uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, follow us, and you can see pictures of my dog. Thank you very much for coming in. All right. Thank uh, you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Good. Yeah, thank you very much. You guys, uh, if you're listening, I love you. Take care. Peace. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.